Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined, as always, by the man who also gets very easily distracted by a little bit of tinsel. It's Greg. How are you today, Greg? Merry Christmas! I didn't try very hard this week. <laughs> My opening, my introduction. Well, I was kind of. Well, I, I was going to say who has also been pissed on by an old lady in a paddling pool, but I decided to go with a tinsel because it's Christmas and I'm trying to be nice. Would you like me to re-record no, the intro and go with the no, piss? Let's, let's stay with your first attempt. How are you? Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. All good. Yes, in the festive spirit. I'm not really a fucking hate Christmas. <laughs> but uh, I'm in the festive spirit. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I don't believe that you hate Christmas. I think it's more... Christmas is one of those things that you can't be arsed with. But you, but when it's here, you like it. I, I hated Christmas for a long time. There's a very specific reason I hate Christmas. Oh. Do you... I don't know. Do you know the story of why I hate Christmas? Um, I probably do, but for some reason it's not coming to me. So, every Christmas... I've got to fucking hell start the podcast and a total downer Greg Jesus so you know it was meant to be a Christmas special uh I'll keep it brief but every Christmas from when I was a very tiny little boy uh we would go to my grandmother's house right. for Christmas day uh-huh. and I have so many fond memories of going to hers and we'd have Christmas I'd, I'd open my presents at home and then we would go around to my nana's and we'd have Christmas dinner and then we would sit and watch the the Christmas movie whether it was E.T. or Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade mm-hmm. or you know whatever the Christmas movie was and then we'd watch Only Fools and Horses and and then would go home and then I'd play with my presents. Just fond memories. Uh-huh. And then when I was about, I think, 11 or 12, can't remember, uh, my grandmother died on Christmas oh, Day. For fuck's sake. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, thankfully it was in the morning. It wasn't like having turkey right, when right. She, she died. I wasn't there. Yeah. But um, yeah, so so since then, and I guess being 11 or 12, it's kind of a, yeah. a, an impactful age. Um, I remember I got Mortal Kombat 2 for my SNES that Christmas right. and just remember hated Christmas for years afterwards and it's only recently I've kind of come round again a little yeah. bit that, that I like Christmas you know I think there's something not magical but when I hear the opening bars of Last Christmas by Wow yeah. or, or Band-Aid it kind of is like okay yeah, yeah okay <laughs> kind of getting into the spirit of things but uh, but yeah so I hated Christmas for years but uh, I've, I've kind of warmed to it a little bit but still not too much so even even the introduction of, or the the installment of blood and gore into Mortal Kombat Two after the famous, <laughs> after the famously disappointing Mortal Kombat One in the SNES, which had green blood and toned down the violence. Even that didn't. Mm. They didn't cheer you up a wee bit on Christmas Day when you got it. No, it didn't cheer me up that my grandmother <laughs> no, just died, and then I was no, no maybe getting to get to like rip people's heads out with their like their spines still attached and stuff like that. No, no, I don't think it did, Greg. To be honest, no. Well, never mind. Mm. Thanks for bringing that memory <laughs> back, Greg. Um, so, what about yourself? You're a big Christmas fan, aren't uh, you? I, I'm sort of like I sort of dr- I, I can dread Christmas up until Christmas is here, and then I always enjoy it. You know what I mean? Because you know we've got a, we're a family of four, so there's a lot of organization that mm. begins in sort of october you know like i've got two daughters so christmas like so there's a few different drafts of christmas lists that are like <laughs> thrust under my nose when uh you know they'll, I want, you know they, they, get, they change quite a few times before uh sometimes they change after we've gone out and bought the presents which is really annoying okay. and then it's like you know are we having people over are we just going to do it ourselves are we going to go somewhere are we going to go out am i going to cook is Paula going to cook? I'm going to order in, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's always a bit... So really, by the time sort of Christmas Eve comes and the presents are all wrapped under the tree and 
it's just we're just ready for the next day and i've got a couple of drinks i'm quite looking forward to christmas by then but i think it's year i I think it's years of working in the hospitality industry on the sharp end at christmas in Mm. december that is perhaps kind of where some of that dread is rooted as well because you know people just behave like absolute cunts in restaurants and bars in december <laughs> i remember yeah when i worked in bars um my previous life uh, yeah mad friday was always a fucking nightmare mm. it was a horrible day but it was uh always entertaining i suppose to just see all the the pissed office people that only drink once a year yeah. and getting flirty with the secretary or something mm-hmm. and obviously going to be full of shame the next day and yeah I w- wish i could have been a fly on the wall on a monday morning in some of those offices it's the it's the show offs you know there's always like, mm. those people it's like their one opportunity where they've probably got they're probably allowed out without their husband or without their wife on a night out. Uh, you know, there's maybe been somebody in the office that hasn't really paid them any attention all year. And this is an opportunity to have a few drinks, get a bit of Dutch courage up and show off. Show off by making a cunt out of the bartender or making a cunt out of the waiter or the waitress or whatever. Um, and then, so uh, in my experience, you generally find them weeping in the street <laughs> later on at night. <laughs> I remember one um, one Christmas, like Mad Friday in particular, I was working in a bar in Aberdeen, and it, it was has two bars, top bar and a bottom mm-hmm. bar. I was working in the top bar, and there was one Christmas party in, and this guy was being a fucking dick, and he was drinking vodka and cokes. And he asked, and it was quite rudely, you know, mm. uh, and a vodka and coke. So we had a vodka behind the bar called Balkan, which was 88.8% proof. Right. And you were only legally allowed to give, like, I think it was one per person, like one shot. Right. So um, I gave him like three Balkans, <laughs> like as a, in his, in his vodka instead of smarting off. And genuinely, he crawled out the door. <laughs> <laughs> you dosed them. <laughs> I kind of did actually. Shit, maybe I shouldn't admit that. I did kind of effectively. Um, but he was a cunt, so never mind. I hope he had a merry Christmas. I bet he had a fucking hell of a hangover the next yeah. day. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> if you if you if you're listening to this and you've not had your Christmas night out yet for work or university or college. Just remember that the people that you're not very nice to that are serving your food and drinks have a lot of power. <laughs> it could be the difference between you having a great night yes. and a really, really bad night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So be kind. Leave a big tip. It's Christmas after exactly. all. And do you know? Do you know who's funny on Christmas nights out? School teachers, because they they talked they talk to you exactly the same way I assume as they talk to the kids that the teacher read it. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, they do. I mean, they're bossy and condescending. Well, not, not not all of them, but certainly in my experience, um, a lot of them are bossy, condescending, impatient. <laughs> uh, you know something? I just thought about that. I had a, a teacher that I, I quite liked um, at school. He was only there for a couple of years because I'm a physics teacher. And I was at, when I was working in exactly that bar, and it was the top yeah. um, bar again, and he came in one day. And I said to him, like, I was like, are you Mr. McLennan? I can't remember his name. He's like, yes. I was like, oh, you used to teach me at school. Um, Nikki, I don't know if you remember. He's like, oh, yeah, I do. I do. He said, oh, well, I see you're putting your school time to good use. <laughs> what? And I was like, uh, I was like, excuse me, I'm, I'm currently doing my master's degree. I'm, <laughs> I'm working here part time. Like, fucking cheeky bastard. I should have given him a ball kit. Um, <laughs> never mind. 
<laughs> Maybe just says, oh, you can't remember his name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, that's enough about, about yeah. Christmas. <laughs> about Christmas, yeah. Well, we've got quite a lot of Christmas chat to come, Greg. Yeah, yeah we do. <laughs> podcast, we do but... Okay. Right, well, shall we have a look at what's been happening in Scotland in the last week? Cue the jingle. Get it? Bells. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jingle bells. <laughs> Fucked it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, Greg, what have you seen in the last week in Scotland that you'd like to share with me and our lovely listeners? Well, I don't have any festive stories as such, but I do have one that involves shopping. So this comes from the this mm. comes from the Daily Record on when did it come out? I find the date. It came out this came in the Daily Record a few days ago. And the headline reads Scott's mum claims she's so hot she can't buy kids' toys without men chatting her up. So this is Oh. Bonnie Slade. That can't be a real name. S S L A Y E D. I mean, if it was Slade, spelt like Santa Slade, maybe more festive story. But anyway, well, it could be or Slade, as in the band. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. yeah. It's 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 quite festive. Yep. Um, well, Bonnie says that men regularly try it on with her when she's out shopping with her youngsters. So there's a picture of Bonnie here with her partner Tommy, looks sort of quite bohemian. Uh, Tommy's got like a big, massive sort of Rasputin beard, and uh, she actually looks a wee bit like uh, Kevin Smith's daughter in the in this picture, a little bit. Yeah, you're right. I've, I've, I have the picture up, and you're right. Mm. She does. Okay, so a Scots mum claims she's so hot she even gets chatted up by men in toy stores while shopping for her kids. Bonnie Slade says she finds it difficult going anywhere without men feeling compelled to hit on her and ask for her number. Uh, but the mum of two revealed she was she was surprised to be approached while shopping in Smith's toy superstores. Bonnie recently appeared in the Channel 4 documentary My Massive Cock. <laughs> I mean, t- <laughs> I mean the Channel 4 has just had its 40th birthday and it was spo- and it, it was supposed to be an uh, intellectual uh, and arty channel an alternative to like mainstream programs of BBC One and ITV and there was a documentary called My Massive Cop so oh come on Greg this is the channel that used to show Euro trash and the word when we were teenagers like come well, on that's true. Well, I suppose that is true so Bonnie says I've been approached by dads on numerous occasions when out toy shopping and it always happens in Smith's. Uh, dads come up to me and say, please tell me you're, you're a single mum so I can give you my number. And I have people airdropping their number and saying, don't tell my wife. They like approaching me when I'm putting the toys in the boot of my car. It's not a euphemism. Uh, Bonnie, who is in an open relationship with her partner Tommy, oh. I know, right? Says she has gotten used to the attention and doesn't always turn people down if someone catches her eye. She, a- I know, eh? She, she added, I've even had one dad offer to pay for my trolley of toys to impress me so I'd give him my number or let him take me out on a date. I think there's another word for <laughs> when people, when men <laughs> offer women money um, to him. Um, she says, that's a struggle... <laughs> She says, that's a struggle of being a MILF. Bonnie and Tommy spoke to the Daily Star in 2021 about how they quit their 9-to-5 jobs to become independent sex workers. They told how the decision gave them the freedom to enjoy watching their children grow up. Uh, The couple said they filmed raunchy content for OnlyFans when their two young children are sleeping. I'm glad that that they said when they're sleeping. And we're not ashamed about working in the sex industry. Tommy said, we just want to be there for our children in their formative 
five years rather than paving them off to someone else. Now, there's a massive hazard to this, which I'm sure <laughs> you've stumbled upon already. And at some point, one of their children is uh, is going to be friends with another child who's going to have seen Tommy <laughs> and uh, Bonnie on OnlyFans doing their raunchy stuff. And uh, it's going to be all around school because obviously they'll recognise them as mm. their kids' parents. But anyway, Tommy goes on to say, it gives us the flexibility to show to, to make good money while allowing us to be flexible around the kids. We can't imagine... Flexible. <laughs> no. I think maybe Tommy should have been prepped for this interview. We can't imagine ever going back now. We do things on our terms. We put the hours in, so we, we can put the hours in so we can enjoy life a little bit more in the daytime. Yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's the whole article. Problematic. I'm calling bullshit on this. Yeah, it's problematic, right? Um, with like the children, yeah. with like members of the children's panel are reading it. <laughs> you know, like, what? There's, there's no way. This is obviously just to promote their OnlyFans page. There's, there's no way. Okay, first of all, she's approached all the time in Smiths, and people offer to pay for her trolley. Now, as a, a parent, mm. Greg. How often do you go to the toy shop and fill up the trolley, for example? Like, not that often, I would presume. No, I mean, well, I mean, my two are, are too old for toys now, but when they were of that age, I mean, you don't you don't really fill up the trolley in any of these toy shops unless you're fucking <laughs> loaded because like, they're really expensive. But yeah, you would go like for so, birthdays and Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> she's all the time she's being approached. Now, she's going to the toy shop, obviously, looking for attention. So she's just filling her trolley, mm -hmm. hoping that hot men will ask her. Or it's a complete fabrication and they've just made up this article to try and get in the newspapers to promote their OnlyFans page. Again, Greg, we ask this a lot, Miss Swally. Why is this fucking news? <laughs> Why is this in the newspaper? So some woman who calls herself a MILF mm -hmm. is basically saying that she's so hot she gets approached in the toy shop yeah, but with men asking if they can have a rummage in her poly pocket. <laughs> Yeah, if they can put their toys in the boot for her. I am. Um, I mean, like, you know, she's, she's, I mean, like, she's, she's all right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know that, I don't know that, uh, that she's like a knockout. I mean, everybody, everybody likes what they like, but, you know, if you're going to go on and claim to be sort of universally so beautiful that, men can't resist you uh then you need to allow yourself to be judged and i am judging but uh you're not that fit in my opinion <laughs> oh wow have you ever been approached in a toy shop by a, a milf asking if you're single and airdropping your number uh no i can't say i have i mean if i'd known that uh that toy shops were such like sort of uh kind of fertile kind of hookup grounds um then maybe i spent a bit more time in them as an adult before i had children but <laughs> but <laughs> but you know i can't say i have i mean i've uh, yeah no never have have you no okay no no I, I don't I have any kids, so but I do go to toy <laughs> yeah, shops quite a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. Not on the lookout for MILFs or anything. Yeah, just, crucially yeah. to buy toys. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you find many MILFs looking at the wrestling figures <laughs> in a toy shop. Yeah, indeed. So, yeah, I mean, if, I, think, I think if I was giving Bonnie some advice, I would advise her to always be photographed looking straight at the camera and not in profile. And I'll probably just end it there. <laughs> but, okay. I was going to ask for more details, but we'll just leave it there then lovely yeah okay that's my uh first festive story <laughs> of the year <laughs> what's your what's your first one well i do have a festive story for you greg kind of um this is well it is actually a festive story this is from the glasgow evening times this week and barhead christmas tree removed 
after it falls over twice. Oh. So a uh, barhead Christmas tree has been removed after it fell over twice. The large tree, which was put up last week outside Asda Barhead Supermarket, is managed and financed by all about Barhead. But it was not installed by the organisation, which have asked for its suppliers for the same size of tree as it was in previous years. James Riley, from Barhead, says he saw the tree being put in place on Wednesday, November the 23rd, before it toppled over by the wind for the first time that evening. He said he noticed the tree was much, much bigger than it had been in previous years. The 37-year-old explained, the first time they put up, I was working that night. And the tree surgeons came in and asked if uh, it was the right place that the tree goes. I said to them, that's the right place, but that tree's much, much bigger than in previous years. And the tree surgeon said, yeah, we thought that. The fitting in the ground is for a 25 foot tree. And he said that this one was a 65 foot tree. (laughs) (laughs) So he said they had to shave the trunk to get it to fit in the hole. But it'll be fine because they'll secure it with cables. That night it was quite windy in Barhead. And when we left, the tree was down. No idea where it had fallen though. And I thought, oh, for God's sake. The tree was put back up on Friday before it fell over again on Saturday evening. James says that it's lucky the tree didn't fall into the path of anyone uh, during Barhead's Winter Wonderland, which partly took place on the square near where the tree was during the day on Saturday. He said, I think a lot of people are just happy that it didn't fall during the fair because the amount of people that were outside the shop, there was funfair rides and stuff there as well, so all the kids and they were right on the corner of the main street. So if it had fallen towards the pavement, it would have been right across the road. We're just lucky that twice it did fall, it fell onto the grass verge. Mm. That's next to the Barhead Foundry. <laughs> if it fell in any other direction, it could have caused a real accident. Uh, the tree has now been removed and replaced with a much smaller one, and it's hoped that the permanent tree will be planted on the site in future. James just joked, I was just stumped that they couldn't get to the root of the problem. Oh, oh James, you character, you. <laughs> um, a spokesman for All About Barhead has apologised and said that they're really sorry. Um, each year they invest in the tree, and unfortunately the size was a little too big, coupled with the wind that experienced that it toppled over on two occasions. Uh, the tree's now been replaced by a 20-foot tree, and we're looking forward to planting a permanent tree in the location moving forward so big tree lots of wind falling over which (laughs) big tree small hole eh? let's not get back onto the the toy shop woman um which led me to to christmas tree do you do you have a real christmas tree greg or did did you have a real christmas tree growing up or do you have one now no 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 no, we've never um we've we've never been a real christmas tree family uh right but Mm. mum would always buy like a sort of quality artificial one you know which would last for years um real christmas trees are a bit of a pain in the arse because all the needles fall off so you're like hoovering constantly i know it's not environmentally friendly these days to say so but we have a we've always had artificial trees what about you back in the the 80s well when i was a kid Mm -hmm. now this this was obviously the trend and the fashion for a while and a lot of my childhood memories and childhood photos at Christmas, we had a white silvery Christmas tree. Oh, my granny had one like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had that, like red baubles and um, so yeah, totally 80s kind of niche 
kind of Christmas tree. Yeah. And then funnily enough, it must have coincided around about the same time as my grandmother dying. Thanks for bringing that memory back to me again, <laughs> Greg. And and obviously probably me just getting a bit older. Yeah. And, you know, Christmas wasn't that special when, mm-hmm. you know, I stopped believing in Santa. Kids, if you're listening, Santa is real. Also, kids, if you're listening, you shouldn't be listening to the fucking culture spelling because we use bad language quite a lot. And my mum got like a little ceramic tree. Like, honestly, it was about, you know, I don't know, yay big. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why I'm saying yay big on the... <laughs> well, like, the same, um, the same height as Kanye West. <laughs> yeah, kind of, but without the swastikas. Yeah. And... <laughs> Uh, so it was like a little ceramic tree that she would just put in like the kitchen window and that was all she did right, right. like there was no big big tree after that yeah. in Dubai I never had a tree really um, until the last couple of years and then I bought like a little artificial yeah. tree and then w- when we first moved to Amsterdam the first year my wife and I bought a real tree because they sell them here like yeah. in the supermarkets yeah, yeah. they sell like Christmas trees uh, so we went and bought one and then we took it home and we were like right and it, the root was like in the pot and we couldn't get it out. So, and we didn't have a saw. So, we had to use a drill. We had a drill. So, we drilled holes into like round the Christmas tree and then like battered it off with a hammer. Hey. I, we've got a drill and a hammer. We don't have a saw. <laughs> um, and then put it in the pot. But yeah. And it just that year, my wife went out on like the 27th of December and went to the garden center and bought like a beautiful artificial tree in the sale for like 60% right. off. And that's what we've had ever since. Yeah. But it's hilarious here because generally like around about, I'd say the 26th of December, the streets of Amsterdam are just littered with Christmas trees yeah. because people just throw them in the street. And there are collection points, but people just genuinely chuck them. I've seen someone chuck a Christmas tree out of a third story window <laughs> just onto the street because they just want rid of it. And the streets are littered with these Christmas trees uh, just after Christmas. And it's it's the probably it's Christmas time for my dog because he just loves like walking around the street and just all these Christmas trees that he can smell and piss on. <laughs> and he just absolutely loves it. But yeah, there's just so much hassle. I think the the real trees, as you say, the needles, uh, the smell's nice, mm-hmm. but you can go and buy a candle from, you know, Bath and Body Works that probably does the same thing. You remember earlier this year, you and your mutual friend uh, dug out some old photos of, mm. and there were some photos of that time when we, you, him and I spent Christmas together because you were in Aberdeen, your yeah. mum was in Dubai with your sister and her family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came up and made Christmas dinner and we, we yeah. just basically... It was, it was like it was sort of like if how maybe how Hunter S. Thompson used to celebrate Christmas, perhaps. Um, <laughs> but I was just when when you were saying there about the tree thing, I was trying to think um, if there was a tree up, but I don't, I don't, I can't remember there being a tree up in your no. no. I remember there being like there would have been cards and stuff up, little, Christmas cards and things. Yeah, yeah there, w- there would have been a little ceramic tree in the Christmas window, yeah. on that uh, the Christmas window, the kitchen window, yeah. and that would have been it. Yeah, yeah, that was it. There was no big tree. So what did what did we from? I was what did we put our presents under? Can't remember. Just, I think there was just a little corner <laughs> yeah. or something. We put there. I don't know. <laughs> you see presents. I seem to remember us driving down to Asda, Garth D, at Christmas Eve to buy presents for each other <laughs> because I think. And I, I think we ended up just buying DVDs for each other, and we were just like, "Do you want this? Yeah, okay, right, great. Yeah, we did. I'll get you that. I, mean, I remember because yeah. I think I bought you Gold Member. Gold I think. Member, and our mutual friend bought me Basic Instinct, the director's cut. <laughs> 
which uh, Wonderful. probably the closest thing to DVD pornography that, that I had in my hands back in those days. That was available at Asda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the only bit I watched was about 50 minutes in. <laughs> you know, if I'd thought properly that day, we shouldn't have gone to Asda, Garthy. We should have gone to the 24-hour shop in Hutchins Street and bought our presents there for each other. Yeah, poppers and pornography. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. That was a good Christmas. It was, yeah. It was a great Christmas. Christmas. It was a brilliant. I mean, you cooked a, a lovely Christmas. Well, it wasn't Christmas dinner as such, but it was a it was a meal. Yeah, it was, like, you know, it was it was wonderful. It was, it was like chicken with um, crisps on top. It was literally like the only the yeah. only dish I had in my repertoire, um, and I had to. Yeah, it was I lovely. To, I had to boil a vegetarian haggis for our mutual friends because he was in a. Oh, that's right. He was going through a vegetarian phase at that time. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, no, and that was a good night. Yeah, because we ended up going out to um to. Well, that bar yeah, that I used to work in Revolution yeah. and uh, and uh, yeah Friday. setting up our mutual friend with a uh, yeah went oh, to Priory yeah. as well no uh, did we end up yeah I ended up in Priory yeah. and um, trying to yeah anyway we won't go into that story because it <laughs> makes us look quite bad um, <laughs> okay so that's our Christmas tree memories how lovely uh, right what else have you seen in the news this week Greg um, well my second story is a, is a little bit similar to my first story uh, so this is um, the, the headline reads, I was forced to choose porn. Um, Scott. Fuck's <laughs> sake. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's teacher, who resigned over explicit images, blames Warzone School. Um, it was revealed today that Kirsty uh, Buchan resigned from her post at Bannerman High School in Glasgow after the racy pics emerged online. Uh, a Scots teacher who resigned after explicit images of her emerged online, there was a click, there was a link to follow to, to see said explicit images, has told how conditions at her war zone school, with little support of management, forced her to choose a career in pornography. Um, this is this is a this is actually a follow up article to an earlier one. It says we told earlier how physics teacher Christy Buchan left her post at Bannerman High School in Bayliston, Glasgow, after pictures from her only flattened site were circulated among pupils. So this is what I was trying to warn against to the couple of off the My Massive Cock documentary in the last article. But the feisty mum of one has told the record that she had no choice but to take on the extra work and claims the last straw for her at Barnum High in Bayliston was the school refusing to pay her wages while she cared for her sick son. Buckingham's 11-year-old recently developed a serious stomach condition and is currently waiting for an operation. She revealed that her career in OnlyFans has already exploded with 47 fans signing up for her $10 a month. <laughs> $10 a month subscription by the time she spoke to the Daily Record at her home in Coatbridge. This means $500 in just three days. Buchan, who's 33, said some people are saying I must be mad to go from being a physics teacher to selling nude photos online, but it has become very clear to me that I was insane to stick at that job for six years under the strain that I was facing every day. Uh, I was staying up to 1am doing extra unpaid work and the stress was unbelievable. I was crying my eyes out at my situation and I didn't know which way to turn. I had read about other teachers earning £50,000 a month on the OnlyFans site and I had a sick child at home who needed a mum who was earning 
I have bills to pay and a mortgage and it wasn't even a difficult decision. Glasgow City Council has come out and said they were going to discipline me, but they were never going to get the satisfaction of that. I feel like a huge weight is off my mind now that I have told them what to do with their job. She said, I've had people saying that it's my body and my decision what I do with it. And that's the bottom line. I'm not ashamed of my body and I discussed all this with my boyfriend before I made the decision to open the account on OnlyFans. I'm not turning into someone who's having sex left, right and centre because I'm in a serious monogamous relationship and I've simply made a career choice that breaks no laws. It has been a bit stressful having to face up to being in the news, but I'm glad the day the record turned up because hopefully it'll be good for business. Uh, Bucking. <laughs> <laughs> openly admits yeah. it. Fair enough. Uh, Buckin said, the only people criticising her are being sexist. She said, I got a lot of sexism just by being a physics teacher operating in a male-dominated world and I will get it because of what I have now chosen to do. But people are just being misogynist if they put me down for this and I bet half of them are women who are just jealous because they wouldn't be able to succeed at it themselves. I have worked hard and I went back to uni and did a postgraduate and I was struggling to a job so my son was three years old. Buckin said that gang brawls at Bannerman would sometimes rage three days a week. She said, I've had one colleague have a plastic bag put over their head and another nearly broke their wrist after a door got kicked at them. Um, Not wanking to, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, into a plastic bag. Uh, I've had my share of difficult kids too, but I have to say that I usually enjoyed my classes and I can say that the pupils love me. Bet they love it a bit more now. I might sound immodest, (laughs) <laughs> but I'm a great teacher and I put my heart and soul into my job. When I do something, I do it well and it will be the same with my OnlyFans account. A Glasgow City Council spokesperson said, It is very telling that this person has tried to deflect from the situation by taking advantage of current news stories about the school, which have no relation to disciplinary proceedings. So there's a lot of pictures from her OnlyFans site. I can only assume that, who was this written by, this article? It was written by Mark McGivern, the chief reporter for the Daily Record. He must have had to have paid his $9.99 so he could get hold of some pictures. Because in the name of in the name of research, and so I could provide a well a well rounded um, sort of retelling of this article, I had to look at her Instagram account, um, and you could and it's basically there's no pictures on it. It's all that's there is a link, and she says this is a private account, and I'm only using it to publicise hmm. my OnlyFans account. But she calls herself Jessica Jackrabbit um, at Jess Jess Jack sixty nine. Um, oh. If anybody wants to go and have a look at at her, um, her little bio, there's a picture of the bio, I'm not on a OnlyFans account, it says, Jess here, with the little wavy handy uh, black haired lady emoji, Scottish uh, slash Italian, good teacher gone bad, really bad, purple devil emoji, winky tongue sticking out emoji, so there you go, Kirsty Buchan, who's hoping to make 50,000 wow. £50, pounds a week, posing in her knickers in OnlyFans. Well, she's already got 47 subscribers, <laughs> yeah. so... You know, good on her. Look, I have got absolutely no issue with OnlyFans um, and Kirsty, for example, doing this and and using obviously her talents to to make some money. I, I think genuinely, I think the pandemic kind of brought this to the the fore as well in terms of a lot of people, a lot of a lot of females, a lot of men as well turned to mm. OnlyFans and um, kind of show racy pics and yeah. some videos of of them doing things. However, my issue with this would potentially be the fact that she was a teacher 
uh, secondary school. And I think you have to, as you mentioned earlier with the hot mum in Smith's, like, you know, her kids are going to see mm. this eventually. That, you know, that's another conversation. But if you are in a position where you are teaching kids and then you're going and you're having a jackrabbit <laughs> or something, you know, not jackrabbit slims, um, then I don't know, it, it just seems a bit odd. Like, I can't think of, you know, if my old physics teacher, if I suddenly was looking online and then I caught him like i don't know wanking into a bunsen burner or something or you know it's the 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 ultimate it's weird the the ultimate danger wank you might say (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it's just yeah it's strange i can totally understand the school's position in this um i can see her side as well but i think she is exploiting this to again get followers i i think yeah as I say, genuinely, there's nothing wrong with what she's doing. Good on her. And I hope she does get a lot of subscribers and, and makes a lot of money on this. And, you know, good for her for empowering herself. But if you are in a position like that as a teacher, you have a certain responsibility. And I guess you have to choose. And I guess she has chosen mm-hmm. to to go down the OnlyFans route rather than looking at kids. But you're right. The kids must... How do you do that? Because they... A secondary school, and I, I've never been on OnlyFans, genuinely. I, I know we've spoken about it quite a yeah. lot in this valley of, of things, but I've never been on it. But I know what the kind of thing is. And it's it's funny that it, I think it was genuinely set up originally as, like, music artists to, to share kind of, like, unreleased songs. And, and like, that's the whole point. OnlyFans would pay oh, to right, hear okay. these subscriptions. And then, just like everything else in the world, it got taken over by pornography. <laughs> <laughs> And, and that's why you know i mean genuinely you think back in the day you know that was the whole is that an urban myth like the vhs betamax um war that effectively vhs won because the porn industry chose to use beta, uh, vhs over betamax and that's why vhs won and th- look at the internet you know the internet was meant to be a nice useful tool that everyone could share stuff it's just fucking littered with porn and that's what only fans everything is just porn um <laughs> I've got no issue, but I think when you are a teacher, you have a certain responsibility and you, you have to, you know, you can't be doing that, you know. You don't want to be sending your kids to school and knowing that they could see their lollipop lady <laughs> gash for $10 a month. I mean... What she's doing with that pole, you know? I mean, you know, I'm kind of... I'm fairly sort of uh, ambiguous about it, you know, so I kind of do what she wants. The only thing that kind of blows my mind about it is, like, I remember being at school and if anybody had, like, a jazz mag that they'd snuck in, or even, or, or even <laughs> like, towards the end of school when there was... There was magazines like Loaded and FHM and mm. Sky and stuff like that. And, uh, you mm. know, like, I remember the Gillian Anderson FHM uh, one mm. getting passed around a lot. You know, a lot of, like, hot under-the-collar adolescent boys. But now, you know, like, G- G- Gillian Anderson is obviously an unattainable uh, actress, you know, like... But, <laughs> but like, to your point, you're a, teenage, you know, you're a teenage boy at school and you've maybe got a bit of a crush on your French teacher. Imagine finding out that for the fairly small... For less than a packet of Benson and Hedges, you could... <laughs> subscribe and see your French teacher in her knickers and doing whatever they do in OnlyFans. I haven't been on it either. Um, it would just be like, I mean, like, it's just, <laughs> it would just be like, I mean, you just wouldn't be able to believe your good fortune. Right? You know what I mean? Kids spending their paper round <laughs> money on OnlyFans <laughs> rather than wham bars and sports mixtures. Yeah. Instead of, uh, instead of subscribing to like look in or shoot, they uh, <laughs> 
shoot is was and is a British um, soccer magazine, football magazine. It's not uh, anything to do with anything else. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you just wouldn't be able to believe your good fortune. Can you imagine that? Like you'd be in the play, you're oh. standing in the playground, go, oh that Mrs. My French teacher, Mrs. Blameyer. That was my French teacher's name. She's so fit. Imagine, I wonder what she looks like in her knickers. And then somebody says, wonder no more. Yeah. Just let me get my phone out. Like, be a god in the playground, sure. wouldn't you? <laughs> well, sure. Standing there eating your space raiders and <laughs> someone shows you <laughs> your French teacher doing very inventive things with a baguette so, yeah. and a garlic bulb up her arse. That's it, uh, yeah. Can you, can you imagine? My God. <laughs> Oh. Kids who made that discovery would be a legend in the playground, a hero. Yeah. They'd be ho- hoisted onto well, the shoulders the of his friends. Because I guess you would just you could chip in if there's enough of you. There's like thirty to a class. Yeah. So okay, you you take out like fifteen girls. Actually, don't take out the fifteen girls because some of them might be interested as well. But you have a little whip round. Yeah, yeah. It's like what a quid each, and then you can get a month subscription. Yeah. And get all the pictures. Just share the login details. Everyone wins. Yeah, but come on. I mean, it's dangerous, though. I mean, do you remember, like, the the danger we would have at school when you... Like, back in our day, it was like finding out a teacher's first name was kind of like a... Like, oh, oh, I know Mr. McLeod is called Murdo, actually. So, oh, I did that once, actually. We were singing Murdo before I went to his class. And he was doing the register. And he got to my name. And I genuinely i did not mean to do this i shouted out murdo instead of here and, <laughs> and he just paused and then repeated my name again and i said here <laughs> i wish i wasn't here <laughs> but that was kind of the that was explicit back in the day knowing your teacher's first name I mean, or like knowing where they lived or something or even but seeing that even seeing a te- getting to see them in their even pants seeing a teacher in public could blow your mind you know if you were mm. like yeah if yeah. you were doing your shopping in the fine fair or something like that and you came around and bumped into like a the headmaster in the freezer aisle or something like that you'd be like oh my god mm. i love them do you remember the the in-betweeners when they see the headmaster in blue waters in the card shop uh, and they, when yeah. they're back at school and they're like blue waters <laughs> yeah i know so that's bad enough seeing your teacher in the shopping mm. center and then so what are they going to be shouting to her when she was a teacher like only fans <laughs> Blue pants. I've seen you in your knickers. <laughs> Blue pants. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, no. that's about my no. last story this week. What are you? Which what's, what's your got next it. story? I've got a lovely little story, Greg, and it's just one of those things that comes out kind of this time of year. So the um the headline is like spoiling it. Uh, the five food names only Scots will find funny. Oh. So it's one of those things that around the world there are different names for foods and stuff and i think it's just things that only scottish people will probably find funny and i think you might relate to this so it's from the daily record this week uh here in scotland we are known for colorful slang you wouldn't hear anywhere else in the world i think we can agree with that i think we use quite a lot of it we do. um as a result so, some products from other countries coincidentally have names that have entirely different meanings in scotland leading to some Hilarious consequences. It can be easy to forget that not everyone is familiar with our colloquialisms, but five food brands in particular serve as an amusing reminder. So, uh, here are the five food names you would find funny if you're from Scotland. So, for our international listeners, we will probably explain why it is. So, the first one is a Swedish brand of potato-based milk, which is called Doug. (laughs) 
as in D-U-G. <laughs> no, so dog. So for our overseas listeners, that is what we would call a dog in Scotland. Uh, so dog is a Swedish brand of potato-based milk packed with vitamins and minerals that is supposedly delicious in tea and coffee. Unfortunately, if you're from Scotland, you probably won't be able to get the image of dog milk out of your head to enjoy it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, the uh, the second item is uh, sausages from the United States or Mexico. Uh, so if you've ever been to the US or Mexico, you may have been lucky enough to see a packet of FUD sausages, <laughs> which are made with chicken and pork. <laughs> Luckily, they aren't available in Scotland, as we have a hard time imagining that they would be flying off the shelves. So again, for our overseas listeners, FUD is... Um, well, it's a word for a, a, a lady's front bottom. <laughs> Let's just say that. Let's just say. But you also use it as a... I, I think Ned's use it as a kind of a term of abuse yeah. or, you know, uh, you're you fud. Yeah. Um, okay, so, hey, Henry, let us know if this is true because there is a Canadian brand of chocolate protein bars that is called Shite. <laughs> S-H-Y-T-E. Um, it's a... Uh, it's un- <laughs> This one is particularly unfortunate because they used the tagline hashtag eat shite. <laughs> um, uh, you like your red wine, Greg, don't you? I certainly do. Yeah. <clears throat> do you like French red wine? Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever had a bottle of Baron de Bossac? <laughs> I can't say I've had the. I can't say I've had the. I've, I've had the pleasure. No. Okay. Well, if you're a wine connoisseur, you may have come across Baron de Bossac, red wine from France. Well, it sounds delicious, assuming you're mature enough to stop laughing at the name. Clearly, I'm not. Um, and our final one is a Malaysian company that produce peanut butter. Um, and this peanut butter is 100% natural with no artificial colourings or flavours and it's earned rave reviews from customers but unfortunately it's called Jobby <laughs> <laughs> so you can have a, a smear of your, your Jobby on toast um, but it's okay, it's not available in Scotland so um, what would be your favourite to eat Greg? You've got Jobby butter, you've got Borsak wine <laughs> You've got shite chocolate, you've got fud sausages, or you've got dog milk. I think I'd be interested to pair the fud sausages with the the Bossack wine, I think. Sorry, I didn't explain, obviously. I mean, shite is self-explanatory. Bossack, I think, is probably self-explanatory. It's effectively your scrotum. Um, And jobby um, in Scotland means uh, a poop, a shite. Oh, shite, chocolate. You could have some shite. Um, peanut butter on your shite chocolate that'd be lovely um, oh dear me I mean it, I, yeah I mean we laugh I mean obviously it's funny the, the, the names but of course they mean completely different things in, in different countries but surely shite is a kind of I thought that would be a worldwide thing I mean it's definitely the English definitely use the word shite especially the northern English hmm. and the Irish definitely yeah. do as well um, but uh, I mean it's Canadian so yeah, I guess I mean, Canada. I mean, the Canadians are too nice to, to kind to of criticise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's a load of shite. Well, the, the, um, that's Irish. I don't know. The thing is, like Canada is like basically populated by Scottish and French people. So, like, you know, what I mean, all their ancestry is either Scottish or French, pretty much. So, you think somebody somewhere might have like advised caution against that brand name? <clears throat> yeah. So I don't know. I, I think I need to get a bottle of Borsak yeah, wine and try have, it. Have to have a look in Africa and Eastern next time I'm down there. Yeah. See if we got it. Yeah. And obviously, because um, I, uh, well, you're the same. You don't drink um, 
cow's milk either. Yeah. So um, I think dog milk could be a could be a, a good one to look out for. Good alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Um, okay. So yeah, lovely. The amazing things that you can get from Scott. Okay. Uh, have you seen anything else in the news this week? I have Greg? not. That's it. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, before we go on to what we're going to be talking about on our festive episode, let's have a little word from our sponsors. The legend of a lamp with awesome power. The chosen must find it and save the world. Hi, it's us! And the biggest panto in Scotland! <laughs> no, and the world! Aladdin with Jared Kelly, Julie Wilson, Nemo, and Eric Potts at the King's Glasgow from 1st of December. Okay, Greg, so it was your choice for this festive episode of The Swally. So why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about today? Well, the film I've chosen for this week has been described as a Christmas zombie musical. It's the 2017's Anna and the Apocalypse, uh, directed by John McPhail, written by Alan MacDonald and the late Ryan McHenry. There's a bit of a sad story there, which we can go into a bit later. It stars Ella Hunt, uh, Malcolm Cumming, Sarah Swire, Marley Sue, Mark Benson and Paul Kay. A zombie apocalypse threatens the sleepy town of Little Haven in Scotland at Christmas, forcing Anna and her friends to fight slash and sing their way to survival, facing the undead in a desperate race to reach their loved ones. So I didn't know anything about this film. I didn't know that this film existed until I was struggling to choose something festive for the podcast and you suggested it to me. Um, so this was this was the first time I'd seen it. I think it was a, the first viewing for you as well. What did you make of it? Yeah, first viewing for me as well. I think I first came across this film a couple of years ago when scrolling through Netflix. I remember seeing it come up. But of course, I just thought, ah, it's some American high school musical Christmas film. I'm not interested in that. It wasn't until earlier this year when we were doing Our Ladies and I was researching the music from Our Ladies, which was written by Roddy Hart Mm -hmm. and Tommy Riley. And I saw that they had also done the music for this film called Anna and the Apocalypse. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, what's that? Clicked on it. And I was like, oh, it's a Scottish zombie horror apocalypse Christmas musical (laughs) film. That sounds bizarre. Um, Obviously, I'm not a big fan of Christmas films. I'm not a big fan of musicals. Mm-hmm. I've just finished um, the last season of The Walking Dead, so I have had my fucking fill of zombies right. um, for for quite a while. So coming into this film, I was a little bit anxious and thinking, right, what's this going to be? Like, this is fucking terrible. Um, I, I absolutely loved this oh, film. Oh, you did you? <laughs> like, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I've, what about you? I'm taking from your reaction that you maybe didn't enjoy it as much as I did. Um, I, I, I didn't not enjoy it. I, you know, I've got, I have a bit of a fundamental issue with musicals. Like the whole, especially if a musical is just songs from start to finish, I can sort of get, I can sort of get on board with that because they're, they're basically they're saying we're going to, we're going to tell you the story. We're going to tell you the story by singing just. All the way through. Um, so, you, so what are we talking here? Like Lame Is yeah, or something? something or, yeah, or, like or Chicago. Evita? Or sh- oh. Chicago, something like that. I can sort of like, yeah, all right, I can I can kind of... I can kind of get on board with it. When songs just like people just start singing, <laughs> like in Sunshine on Leith, which is I think the only other mu- yeah. the only <laughs> the only other musical that we did, and it's a little different because 
Sunshine and Leith is like a story that sort of that has a load of Prothamer songs sort of shoehorned into it. Whereas um all this, the music in this is original music um to kind of carry the story along. But yeah, I've always I always find it a bit a bit weird when characters go from talking to singing. <laughs> it's but I don't know. It's a mm. find it a bit strange. It sort of takes me out of it a bit. Um but I did like it. Like the humour saved the film for me, to be honest. It's because it's yeah. In, in, in parts, it's very, very funny. And the cast, I think with the exception of the character of Anna, who I know is the heroine, but she's not, I didn't find her the most likeable. I think I liked the, mm, I, mm. I liked the other characters a lot more, yeah. especially like John and, um, and Sarah Swire's character. Uh, yeah. And M- M- Marley Sue is, she, she's not, she's just not in it enough for me. She's so good. Yeah. She's so good in it. I would totally agree with you. I think the the cast, you can tell, it's often a thing, like it, you can tell if they're having a lot of fun doing something. And often that kind of means the film maybe isn't that great because they've been having too much fun on set. But you can kind of tell with this film that they, they had a lot of fun. And I think I like about this film is it doesn't take itself too seriously. It kind of, it, it knows yeah. what it's meant to be. Yeah. And it, it kind of works. And I, I totally agree with you on the cast. I think Ella Hunt is Anna. I, I think she's great. She is good, she's, yeah. She's very she's, good. She's, she's, she's not a likable character and I don't think she's meant to be. Mm. Um, she is a bit of a dick because she has a couple of points. I mean, she's a bit of a dick to her dad at, at the start and she's obviously a bit of a dick to John who is obviously completely in love with her but she's just kind of stringing them along and she's a a bit of a dick to Steph at one point as well when she kind of says about you know I wish I was miles away from my parents and of course Steph kind of retorts with you know Mm. a little thing about Anna's mum being dead but I think yeah she's not the most likable character but yeah the character John's great Um, Steph I I think is fantastic she's so funny and so good and such a great actress as well in terms of some of the the physical comedy she does Mm. is just absolutely brilliant but I agree yeah the cast are great but yeah I I know what you mean you're kind of not rooting for the the main character in a way yeah yeah, you're right. Um, so there's a bit of a sad story, as I mentioned in the introduction about this one. So it was written by uh, a young guy called Ryan McKendry when he was still at drama school, um, and unfortunately, he didn't uh, he didn't live to to see it uh, be turned into a movie. Um, he he. He was sort of inspired by high school musical, the Disney series, and he wrote and directed uh, a short film called Zombie Musical, which won a lot of new talent awards in Scotland. And, uh, you know, the this story went into development and uh, um, and it's been made into a film. But sadly, uh, Ryan didn't survive to see it because he passed away in 2015. Um, but the film is very much dedicated to him. Um, and and the strange thing is, like it's it's all all the production is Scotland. You know, it's filmed in Inverclyde. It's mm. it's directed by a Scottish director. It's written by Scottish writers. Um, but there's a lot of English people who live in Little Haven. <laughs> Do you know mm. like a lot, you know? <laughs> yeah, there certainly is. I mean, Anna and her dad. I mean, in fact, at one point we see her dad drinking from a Middlesbrough mug, so mm. which is obviously to the point. And of course, yeah, Savage, the, the deputy head, is English, and we have Steph, who's American. In fact, I think the character of John um and um portrayed by Malcolm um, Malcolm Cumming. Malcolm Cumming is probably one of the few Scottish actors in this film. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's him, I think, uh B who plays the grandmother. Um mm. she's Scottish. And if and if I remember right, the cleaning lady that uh John mm. accidentally hits in the head with a shoe in the bowling alley. Mm. I think she was Scottish too, but I think that's pretty much it. Uh, we have uh Kirsty Swain as well as the teacher. 
Oh um, yeah, yeah. Who's who's telling Chris about his video now? I think I and because I did you watch the version that I directed you to? I'll put it that way. Uh, no, I just I watched it on another platform that you directed me to. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. So because there is a there's two versions of this film. There's an American version and there's a kind of UK Europe version. Right. So it. The, the teacher, Kirsty Swain, who we know from Barniston, of course, um, when she's telling Chris about his, his film, um, did she have a Scottish accent or an American accent? Uh, she Scottish accent. Okay, yeah. so the version I watched, she had an American accent. <laughs> right, okay. Because I, I watched the American version, and the only reason I could presume was because maybe her accent was a bit too thick for the American audiences. Yes, maybe. So they overdubbed her in this very strange American accent, <laughs> which I was like, whoa, that's really weird. Okay. I should have uh, I should have maybe watched the the version <laughs> the same version you did. So the version that you watched does uh, Jackie Bird make a cameo reading the news? Yes, she does. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, I think there's not many differences, but I did notice. Yeah, Kirsty's voice kind of been overdubbed. But yes, Jackie Bird does uh, does make an appearance. Yeah. Now, before the film actually starts, can I just say how fucking wonderful is it to see that? Orion logo mm. at the beginning of the film because that is a film company that I just associate with my youth in terms of like Robocop yeah. and Terminator yeah, yeah, yeah. and they made so many good films back in the day and they kind of went out of business but then came back uh, I think about 2012 or something yeah. but it was it's so good mm. to see that logo it just brings back so many fond memories yeah I, it threw me for a second because I thought mm. have I maybe clicked on the wrong thing here like is it like an old film because I'm <laughs> because like yeah you know they they have I think obviously somebody has bought them and sort of re- relaunched it but the music the animation and the logo is exactly they've, they've literally changed nothing in fact it's probably the yeah. same the same reel yeah. I was like, oh, because I just that that just took me back to the video shop and renting things like like, that you said, Robocop and uh, Total Recall and Terminator and The Running Man and all those sort of classic '80s action films. Oh, it was beautiful to see. It really just transported me, and that's why I even put in my notes. I was like, how good is it to see that logo? It's so good. And I had to go and research. I was like, how? And then yeah, they they came back. But so I guess this film came out in 2017, and they. I guess we're ahead of their time because it's a zombie film, but the zombies are, and as they say on the the news, in the radio, in the car, it's a kind of pandemic. Yeah. It's a, a aggressive strain of the flu. And you're like, wow, this is quite rough watching it now. Mm. And in terms of what's happened with uh, COVID, but yeah, incredible, kind of ahead of its time. And then, wow, very... A nice bit of foreshadowing in terms of what was going to happen in the world. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, because they they're listening to it in the radio, and Anna leans over and switches it on to some music because they're right, mm. which is probably what we all did when we first heard about COVID. Yeah. It's like oh, just another vi- another. It's like the bird flu or something else coming out of Asia or whatever, you know. We interrupt this program to bring you an important news bulletin. The Centre for Disease Control has recategorised the pandemic first thought to be a supervirus strain of the flu. It has now been determined to be a lethal pathogen, seemingly capable of reanimating. And you just heard hear the newscaster just saying Rihanna, and then she yeah, yeah. switches it over. So of course you don't get to hear you know the, the dead are being reanimated. Mm. So um, and of course it is just because of this, just because, but it's because of this pandemic and flu that are dying, and that's why later on when, for example, Chris's grandmother passes away he's like well at least she won't become one of them Mm. because she died of a heart attack and not because of the flu i guess it's only because if you die from this flu or if you get bitten yeah evidently that you become a zombie and that's the thing with 
a lot of zombie films and TV shows, everyone seems to have their own kind of rules and yeah. make things up differently. I mean, obviously, George Romero kind of set the standard mm-hmm. with, you know, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. But there's so much zombie content out there nowadays, but everyone just seems to kind of make it up as they go along nowadays, whether it's fast-moving zombies, slow-moving zombies, zombies that eat brains. How do you kill them? What do they do? How do they get infected? It's just, yeah, everything's different nowadays. I mean, I I love the whole zombie genre. And um, the Night of the Living Dead is one of the few movies that I've bought off uh, Apple iTunes to have because I like to watch it like sort of once a year. It's brilliant. And I, I, mm. I love Dawn of the Dead as well. Now, I couldn't, mm. could never really get bored. I didn't really enjoy Day of the Dead as much, but I like some of the later ones that mm. he did. Like he did one called Diary of the Dead, which he, it's all like sort of found footage. And it's it's it's... It was really good. I thought I really enjoyed that one. But the kind of fundamental problem that I've always had with zombie films is you kind of feel like if that happened, probably quite easy to sort it out quite quickly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, a, it's and especially you know that like you, you you could sort of say well no Greg if they're like fast runners and stuff like they are in uh, Twenty Eight Days Later and the remake of Dawn of the Dead may not be mm. that easy well a little bit fair enough okay maybe not as easy but I still think it's fairly quickly solvable and even at the end of Night of the Living Dead you know it's got that famously sort of tragic ending when the the last survivor gets mistaken for a zombie and shot but you, it feels like they've got their arms around the problem <laughs> at the end. Night of the Living yeah. Dead, you know what I mean? They're 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 out hunting them. All the sort of redneck guys are out hunting them, and they're piling the bodies up and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, but um, it was I I, I liked uh, how in this film that they 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 lean into their zombie heritage really nicely, mm. and they, there's even like some little nods towards some of the films that I've just mentioned. Shaun of the Dead as well. There's a couple of nods towards that which you know I, I guess they knew when it when they when it was when they were making the film that they were always going to be compared to Shaun of the Dead because that's the only other yeah. sort of out and out zombie comedy that, that I can think of or, or certainly one that's done very well. So Zombie Land? Yeah actually Zombie Land, yeah actually yeah yeah. But I think because Shaun of the Dead is a British film and this is a British film, you know, um and the humour the humour is quite British. The the humour of Shaun of the Dead is like very, very British humour. You know, like how the how the characters react to what's going on. And this I think that's similarly in this one as well, you know. I mean yeah, I mean there's a couple of scenes in here that are literally just lifted from Shaun of the Dead, I would say. Um and I think it is always going to get comparisons. It it was apparently very much influenced by West Side Story, mm. The Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. the Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical episode. Oh yeah. It was that once more with feeling, I think. Yeah. And um of course, Shaun of the Dead. And I mean to come up with the the points of where it is. I mean, so obviously it's very much set in a school. Um it, it's high school, it's Christmas and Anna and her, her friends are there and of course you it, it's quite well done. I think it's like 17 minutes in before you see the first zombie mm-hmm. and Anna kind of just accidentally shoulder barges a guy and apologizes and he turns out he's a, a zombie. And then it's the next day they get up they're running to school and that's the first kind of point that it's literally lifted from Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. Anna walking through the housing estate with her headphones in singing and all of this carnage happening behind her. And okay, it's on a higher level, Mm. but Shaun of the Dead does it so much better with Shaun being hungover, having gone to get his Diet Coke and Cornetto. And (laughs) that's one of the the funniest parts of Shaun of the Dead as well, where he's 
um, brushes past the zombie that he thinks a homeless person. And he's like, oh, sorry, I don't have any chair. I didn't even have to pay the fucking guy. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> so well done. Whereas in Anna and the Apocalypse, obviously she has her headphones in and John's not paying attention and they're dancing and singing and, and they just don't notice this carnage going around them until the snowman zombie yeah. appears. And that that is hilarious in terms of when she's straight away like, oh, I know first aid. And yeah. I'm about to put him in the recovery position. <laughs> and then the scene which immediately follows is John and her effectively uh, lead the snowman zombie to a playground. Who is a playground next to a graveyard <laughs> as well? I'd need to question that. Um, and that instantly just reminded me of the scene of Sean and Ed in the back garden. Yeah. With, is it Mary? Yeah. Is it the zombie? And they're throwing records at her. Yeah. <laughs> just very much reminded me of that. And then, of course, the the fact that they, they need to go to a safe place. So they go to the bowling alley, which is just the Winchester. Yeah, yeah. It's heavily kind of influenced, but they do it in kind of their own way. Yeah, and yeah. I can see that when Anna's walking, it, it, it's a lot more graphic. You know, you have zombies falling off of roofs. And mm-hmm. you know, whereas with Sean, it's just zombies stumbling about. Yeah, well, it's, and of course the crucially, it's the same people that he's walked past the day before. But uh, b- yeah, yeah, before course, the, yeah. The, the the wee boy playing keep you up against the wall, the guy washing his car, yeah, yeah the homeless guy, yeah, it's very similar. But yeah, it, it it works though in this. Like as I say, I would say having watched this, it did make me want to watch Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, 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 indeed. There's another good moment which I guess it's only really occurred to me now, which is maybe a little bit like Shaun of the Dead. So when they when they've spent the night in the bowling alley and they've slept in the ball pit and uh, mm. when Steph sort of sticks her arm up in the morning and she's waking up, she's supposed to sort of stretch, but she sort of sticks it up as, like, as if like her arm's coming up out the ground. You know, like, it's a quite a classic mm. zombie trope, isn't it, when they come bursting out the grave. Um, yeah, I like that. But I think she's really good. I think that's followed by another bit, which again is kind of stolen from Shaun of the Dead, when they is it one of the characters says, oh, the army will help us. And then they look out the window yeah. and all the army are zombies <laughs> yeah. plotting around. And I'm sure that's the same Shaun of the Dead, isn't it? And he's like, look at the window and see if it's okay. And he looks out the window yeah. and then shuts it. And he's like, no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know. are, are there some out there? Yep. How many? <laughs> Lots. <laughs> As you were about to say, you know, the character is Steph. I mean, mm. we'll come back to Anna and John and stuff. I guess it, it, it makes sense to go and speak about Steph now. She is just a fantastic character. Yeah. Like, she's so good. I, I thought initially the first kind of scene she's in, I'm like, oh, she's going to be annoying. Mm-hmm. Like, because she's the American. Yeah. You know, official she's going to be an annoying character. But actually she's brilliant mm. in terms of her facial expressions and and actually one of the best uh, parts of the film well one of the funniest things i laughed at the most is in the i think it's in the dinner hall um like the school canteen and she's walking away and one of the like tough kids calls her annie lennox <laughs> and that <laughs> <That's right. laughs> really made me laugh um yeah no she's good i liked the scene where she in the bowling alley when they're attacked by the stag do zombies and um, mm. she manages to kill one of them and she start and she's like sort of pleased with herself and she's, she she kind of does a bit of a little dance at the top of the yeah, <laughs> yeah before she um, she saves the other she saves uh, is it Chris the other guy she saves him yeah yeah um, by sort of rolling the like, she sort of knocks the the zombie down and the the ball cleaner decapitates him mm. yeah. And then you just see the head roll out <laughs> yeah. in terms of the, the ball thing. Yeah. Uh, 
and uh, yeah it's again her physical kind of reactions when she uh, towards the end when she breaks into savage's office to get her car keys back and she's looking through the backs and she finds you know a bottle of vodka lighter fluid a vibrator (laughs) (laughs) her her facial expressions and physical reactions are just wonderful um at that so yeah she's brilliant um and yeah, to, uh, the very end when she she pulls up in the car, I think she says, "I just saved your ass," yeah, or something to the two uh, to Anna and Nick. So yeah, uh, she's absolutely brilliant. So I I looked up the actress who plays her, Sarah Swire, and she's not done a great deal. So I so what I well, what I often do is I'll try and find the kind of main actors or director on Instagram. So like if I can try and tag them when we do our post and maybe get a wee bit of a little bit of publicity or whatever from her. And she um they as you would expect, they're all quite a young cast and all very they're all on Instagram. <laughs> so she, she she's on there, but she's uh she's more of a musician than she is um mm. she's in a band called Swire Sister and there's a few uh, little clips of them performing, and they're actually really good. Uh, I'm going to see if they've got any music on um, on iTunes. Because she's a sort of singer and guitarist. They're they're a, they're a good group. Oh, I think it's similar with Ella Hunt, who plays Anna. Mm. I think she is uh, a singer as well. And and that's one thing I would say, and we'll maybe come on to it later properly. But the music in this film, it's really fucking good. <laughs> the songs are pretty catchy yeah they are like they're not like cheesy like oh god there's maybe one or two that i'm a bit like yeah but some of them are are really I, i've genuinely today been walking around the house singing there's no such thing as a hollywood ending <laughs> like it's just kind of stuck in my head there's some really good songs in this film yeah and i think um i mean i've never i've never watched an entire high school musical film hmm. from start to finish but you know one of the one of the sort of downsides to having two young girls in the house is that um in years gone by they have been on um and they you know they that you kind of get the feeling with this that the Roddy Hart has sort of understood the assignment because his yeah. you know because he's he sort of he manages to homage I guess the style of high school musical without really taking the piss out of it and it is it's yeah. the easiest thing in the world to take the piss out of you know what I mean anything any sort of franchise that's that popular and successful with like kids or young or young teenagers is, is always a very easy target to slag off. But he manages to do it without really doing without doing that really. And the songs, as much as gotta be honest, you know, I was I was always glad when the songs came to an end and just so we could get back on with the actual movie. And that's not because I think there's anything wrong with the songs. I think I agree with you. I think they are good. It's just more my weird hang up about people suddenly bursting into song <laughs> in films. So I agree in a way, but I think that there's such a good mix in terms of as you say like the um hollywood ending for example the, mm-hmm. the song i've just kind of quoted in the canteen that is very much like a high school musical kind of film uh kind of song but as you say it doesn't take the piss out of it it's actually you know yeah. catchy but then you have like paul k doing the nothing's gonna stop me now which mm. again it's almost like kind of like a fagin from oliver yeah. kind of villain yeah, yeah. you know got to pick a pocket or two song but then you have like nick um when he's doing the i think is it soldier at war which when he's oh, that, like, that was when it comes to killing zombies on the top of the class that annoyed you did that it? was my least favorite uh i thought i thought it was like a bit like a, a survivor kind of song <laughs> the way the the music was it reminded me like a rocky kind of survivor yeah type music. Now, his character 
you know, I mean, like he's a complete prick all the way yeah. through the film. And even after him and his little group of mates save them, and it's, you know, they, he, then he has a moment when we're supposed to have empathy for him because he talks about how he killed his dad and he sort of alludes to that he was always a disappointment to his father. Um, and, you mm. know, this sort of thing. Um, that's kind of, well, I don't know, you kind of leave, I kind of felt that that wasn't a particularly good bit of character development because you kind of leave it quite late in the film and I don't know if it I don't know if it's that or if I think the actor's name is it Chris uh he's got like a French name hasn't he um uh no that's the guy that plays Chris the guy that plays Nick is called Ben oh Ben Wiggins yeah I don't know if it's if it's because of his performance or if it is the act if it is how it's the character's been written in like that late stage in the story you know we're suddenly supposed to root for him and this is after we've lost john like easily mm. the most likable character in the group yeah he gets uh, gets killed at the beginning of the last act and then he's replaced by this fanny who that <laughs> who survives to the end. We see him escaping with the other guys. We've lost John, we've lost Chris, we've lost um, Marley Sue, we've lost Mark Benton by that point as well. He, even mm. he doesn't get to survive after all that effort. You, may, you know, all the good guys have been, have been killed off and we're left with like, like a character who's not particularly virtuous, you know? Yeah, it is quite a shock that, as you say, the, the kind of three surviving characters are Anna, Steph and, and Nick, mm-hmm. who you wouldn't pick. You would have picked John to, to have that. Yeah. But I think it, it, it John's death is quite a, a big shock mm. in a way. Nick, I, I agree, Nick is a, a prick. Um <laughs> initially and then obviously when you see him he comes across a bit like Negan from The Walking Dead yeah. with his baseball bat and singing a song with his group of Neds <laughs> and I don't know I, I agree with you they kind of left it a bit late to have that kind of redemption arc of him saying that he had to kill his father and then when Anna is effectively about to kill her father because mm. he's been bitten he says don't yeah, because yeah. Yeah. you know it's going to fucking mess you up and yeah. okay has he kind of seen the light or I don't know but yeah, I agree. He's a he's a bit of a prick. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the character of of John, as we said, is probably the the most likable yeah. out of the group. Yeah. And it's actually a brilliant performance from Malcolm Cumming. He he's great. You know, he's such a not geeky, but the, yeah. the kind of awkward, you know, best friend. And you can tell immediately the the kind of unrequited love he has for Anna. And but he's he's really funny mm. and, and just a a nice character overall i mean i particularly love the the scene when they're in the the ball pit with chris and they're speaking about the celebrities that have become zombies and uh, they speak about robert downey jr and then ryan gosling and then i think chris says taylor swift and immediately john's like tay tay will be fine (laughs) and (laughs) so instantly likable to me as a a taylor swift fan bollocks he's definitely a zombie Robert Downey Jr. has like a bazillion dollars. He is in a hot tub right now, surrounded by electric fences and models. Yeah, but just takes one personal trainer with a bite and then... Uh Iron Man lives. What about Ryan Gosling? Doesn't matter. Alive, dead, guy's still cool. Um... Taylor Swift. Jesus, Chris. Why would you even say that? Tay-Tay's fine. Yeah, all right. I was just... So fine. I've prepared a little game, which oh. which you have inadvertently led us quite nicely into, right? So, ah, okay. So I've made a list of uh, characters from things that you and I have 
covered in the culture swally. I want you. Okay. I want you to tell me how long, uh, in terms of days, uh, these characters would last <laughs> in a zombie apocalypse. And I want you to tell. Okay. And I want you to tell me what you think their signature zombie kill would be. Right. They're, so their okay. signature zombie killing technique would be. Okay. Okay. So. All right. I'm going to start off with um, Sarah from White Settlers, played by Polly McIntosh. So how, long, how how many days do you think she'd survive a zombie apocalypse? Oh, now, she was quite resilient in terms of even White Settlers. She managed to kind of evade them for a fair while. So I'm going to give her like a good couple of weeks, I think. Okay. Like maybe 10 days. 10 let's days. Say. Let's say 10 days. And her signature kill, I don't know, well, she, she was quite handy with that bit of wood. So I think she would just batter the bit of wood because she she stove that guy's head in yeah. with a like a log kind of thing. So yeah, I'll go with that bit of wood. Okay, good. Um, next character then, Kent. Uh, Ke- <laughs> <laughs> um, Kenny from the book group. <clears throat> um, he's very fast. If does yeah. he have his racing wheelchair or his normal wheelchair? Let's give him a good chance and give him his. Um, his racing wheels. Okay, so he's going to be restricted in terms of curbs and stuff. Um, I'll probably give him a day and a half. Um, oh. Signature kill would be to smack them with porridge oats. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say run them over in his, in his fast uh, racing wheelchair. Next then, uh, Ian off the crankies. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ian was, I guess, okay. I think um, he's nimble. He's he's quite quick. I think I'd give Ian maybe about seven days. Mm-hmm. And I think his effective way of um, getting rid of them, killing the zombies, would just be a little smack on the back of the head, like he used to give Jimmy. <laughs> Either that or throw Jeanette at them. <laughs> yes, like swinging uh, Jimmy Cranky around by, by his ankles. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> When you say swinging, do you mean the the fact the crankies are known for swinging? Do you think they're going to swing with zombies? <laughs> invite the zombies onto their boat, and you know um... that is an OnlyFans account that I might subscribe to if it was the crankies and zombies. Um, and then the last one, then Dougie Gilman off uh, off everyone else's crime, tatty water everywhere. Um, I would give him um, a couple of months because he would just shag them all to <laughs> death. <laughs> think so <laughs> i don't think that's how it works no you'd have a sort of sliding scale of acceptable decomposition uh doogie probably wouldn't last very long because he'd get bitten whilst he was like shagging a hooker or doing a bite a chain but <laughs> yeah. i would like to think he would he would outsmart them all yeah and uh and manage to to evade them yeah. <laughs> he would get he would get bitten whilst getting the tatty water out <clears throat> <laughs> wonderful game thank you very much yeah. i thoroughly enjoyed that <laughs> right let's talk about her probably one of the the best characters in the film as you said you don't see enough of her the wonderful marley Sue. oh she's so and good. she's so good <laughs> we obviously we reviewed this ladies and she's great in that but in this she's just epic and there's a particular song that I think it's a kind of an ensemble with the cast. And when it comes to her part, mm. the way she sings in a Scottish accent, because she's one of the few Scottish characters yeah. in the film, it's so lovely. Like her voice is so beautiful yeah. in that Scottish accent. And just, oh, she's just great. She's so funny, charismatic. She just owns the screen mm-hmm. whenever she's on it. And of course, her absolute fucking filth of a Christmas song. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> when it comes on, I think, oh, she's a way to sing Santa Baby because it's it's the same tune. Yeah. Well, I don't remember Santa Baby having the lyrics of, my chimney needs a good unblocking <laughs> and come on over and unload your sack. 
yeah, she's she's really good. And I, I, I didn't know that she was going to be in it until like I, I watched the film. And um, she, uh, the first thing I'd ever seen her in was Our Lady. And mm. uh, she seems to be getting on really, really well. Like she's just yeah. done this uh, ensemble sort of comedy drama on the BBC called, uh, I think it's called All I Know About Love. And she's had some awards and everything for it. And um or everything I know about love, I think it's called. She seems to be doing really well. I think she's. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of her uh, in the next few years. She seems to be our star is on the rise, as they say. But yeah, that that song. And the thing is, she's completely sincere. She's not like singing it with a kind of twinkle in her eye and a kind of wink at the audience. Yeah. She's completely <laughs> sincere and she's singing it. And like it's, it's the audience reactions as well. You got the dads, some of the dads that are kind of clapping and you know what I mean, and then sort of clapping along. And you got the mums sort of covering the kids' ears and eyes, and it's really funny. And it's beautiful. You feel sorry for her in that scene because obviously Chris isn't there yeah. because he's off with Steph filming at the the homeless the soup, uh, soup, shelter. Yeah. And it's probably one of the most beautiful parts of the film when her and Chris mm. meet their demise. Yeah, yeah, and genuinely really saddened me mm. of because I kind of didn't see it coming in a way. You kind of think, okay, someone's. I thought Chris would possibly die there but i didn't expect lisa to to die and for them to get bitten and just the the beautiful way they just embrace each other and then wave to steph just kind of go yeah they've accepted their fate and they're happy to die together and again the the beautiful way that later on when you see them as zombies and they just kind of touch hands and there's a kind of glimmer of recognition yeah and and just it's so sad but so beautifully done and and well done as well i you don't often see that in a kind of zombie film well, yeah. you know and then zombie musical yeah <laughs> yeah no yeah she's 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 really good like the only the only regret really is that she's not in the film more because you know we hmm. she's she's established as an important character near the beginning of the film and then there's that whole sort of second act where we don't really see her until they go back to the school i think she, she has a little like a nice little scene with uh chris's granny hmm. when they're sort of under siege in the school yeah um anyway you know i think we'll see a lot more of her as i said um kind of going forward the the actor who i always like to see but who um every time i see him in anything it, it doesn't matter whether he's doing like a flat out comedy or he's doing something more dramatic paul k i'm talking about so he's um you know he's 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 just been in uh ricky gervais's like super successful uh sort of comedy drama afterlife on netflix this is a psychiatrist but i remember him as i'm sure you do as uh, dennis penis the sort of joke of course a joke interviewer so every time i see him i'm always reminded of him trying to interview barry manilow at a (laughs) at a sort of gala thing press gala thing and then running after barry manilow's car with a big white bed sheet saying you've dropped your handkerchief So he used to be on um, what was there was a thing on it used to be on Channel Four in the Sunday morning, wasn't there? And he was like the kind of interviewer. Well, that was what I was trying to remember. Mm. It was like it was like a lunchtime. Yeah. On, was it was it Channel Four or was it BBC Two? I think it was BBC Two. Was it? Because I I had one of the VHS um, was like the the best of Dennis Penis, and I remember watching that um a lot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was like a lunchtime thing. It, it might have been Channel Four. Um, it's sort of mag- yeah, it's sort of random ma- to have him on. It's sort of magazine show, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, and effectively he would go up to like red carpets and stuff and ask people. I, I remember there was a, a very famous one when he was interviewing 
Demi Moore and he said like if if it wasn't gratuitous and if there was a lot of money involved yeah. would you ever consider keeping your clothes on for a film <laughs> and she just walks off yeah. and then I think one of the most famous ones is when he went up to Steve Martin and he said uh, people are always asking why aren't you funny anymore yeah. and <laughs> Steve Martin just looked horrified and walked away it's yeah. like fuck <laughs> like he just had the balls of steel to be able to do that stuff yeah but as you say like whatever he's done since because he did do like he's gone on to do quite a few acting roles yeah, a lot, yeah, yeah. in terms of Paul Kay and I think he, he has been a lot I know he had a few films like remember Black Ball yeah it was a, a film he did about yeah bowling yeah like lawn green bowling he was like the rock and roll kind of lawn green bowler and I think he was in Game of Thrones he was yeah. never really watched but he was yeah Um, and he's been in Afterlife and he pops up in quite a few things in fact I think he was in like some sort of like BBC show you know he was in like a kind of like Sunday night BBC show right. like almost like a where the heart is or sort of thing i can't remember now but yeah he was definitely in something like that whatever he's in though he just absolutely chews up the scenery mm-hmm. and that's what he does in this and he is just fucking broke like he's such a perfect part of this film he's just over the top manacle just absolute mental head case and he's just fantastic i i absolutely loved him in this film he's you can tell that when when he gets his song he we know when he gets his sort of solo song toward the end of the film he's enjoying himself massively yeah. <laughs> you know, he's going for it in every way and he's absolutely loving life it's, it's even the understated parts though when the kids get into the school and they see him at reception and he's eating and they're like what are you doing mr savage i'm eating my christmas dinner yeah it's <laughs> What are you doing? I'm eating my Christmas dinner, Miss North. I expect you'll be wanting to see your parents. You're very lucky, children. Because they almost left. He's just brilliant, but yeah, you're right. He is absolutely loving it in this and thankfully a lot of his scenes are with Mark Benton mm. who is again such a great actor and they, they just kind of bounce off each other so well it's ah Paul Kay is just an absolute brilliant addition to this film and yeah just, yeah he's fantastic yeah Love he's really it. good and I wasn't expecting to see him in it I began like I said I didn't know anything about this film before I started watching it until um <laughs> until uh you know because I had I was quite late and and getting on it mm. yeah like I had no idea I didn't know that Mark Benton was going to be in there and he's one of these actors who he's just sort of always been on the telly hasn't he Mark Benton like forever yeah. Like, you know yeah I think probably best known probably unfortunately for like the nationwide TV adverts yeah because um, he was in them all the time but for me he will probably always be did you ever watch Early Doors yeah with the, yeah that was yeah. The, the one with um uh, is it Craig Cash who used to write the royal family yes. but yeah 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 so it was written by Craig Cash yeah. um early doors um so yeah set in the pub the mm. grapes and he plays Eddie in that and he's just oh he's fantastic he's so funny mm. and as you say, he's just like if you look at his IMDb, he has been in like literally everything, and it might be just like one episode, two episodes here and there uh-huh. of stuff. But he has been in so much stuff; it's absolutely fantastic. In fact, that's where I remember getting very confused with Mark Benton because he was in a TV show with uh, Robson Green called City Lights. That's right, yeah. And every time I googled 
City Lights to try and find the mm. Gerard Kelly and Andy Gray and Dave Anderson mm. uh, sitcom. <laughs> it would come up with this fucking Mark Benton and <laughs> Robson Green vehicle, which pissed me off no end. It's like, fuck off, Mark Benton. <laughs> yeah, but he just feel it just feels like he's always been on the TV, Mark Benton. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. It's, we're just it's got sort of one of those. I guess he always tends to get picked for these sort of everyman characters, doesn't he? You know what I mean? Mm. And he obviously plays he obviously plays them incredibly well. Uh, but he just always seems to have been around. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at his looking at his uh, Wikipedia and he's... I mean, I, I don't watch Strictly Come Dancing, but apparently he was on September 2013, the 11th series of Strictly Come Dancing. No idea. I don't watch it either. Um, and again, probably the, the second saddest part of the film is when you realise that he's been bitten and he's going to die. And you're like, what? No. Yeah. No. I know. And very accepting of it. Just, it, it's okay. It, kind of the same as John is, which I, I will come back to. But yeah, it, it was very sad that um, yeah. obviously he got bitten and, and had to, to pass away. All that uh, fighting and singing for nothing, <laughs> you know, to get there for. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, well. The, the death of John, they take the, the genius idea to take a shortcut through a, a Christmas tree mm, shop. sort of factory. Not f- shop, yeah. yes. Not factory, of course, they don't make them. Um, now, surely there was loads of cars outside and there's three Neds with them. Surely one of those Neds would know how to hotwire a car. Could they not have just taken one of them? But no, <laughs> they take a shortcut through this Christmas tree shop. warehouse and shop. And of course... That's unfortunately where John meets his demise and gets bitten because he's so delighted that he's remembered all the names of Santa's reindeers and puts his arm out. And genuinely, I kind of thought John would probably die at some point. However, I didn't expect it to happen so soon in the film. And it's quite a shock when it happens. You are a bit like, oh, fuck. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, I I get it. I mean, I I sort of get the the choice to do something like that um, because, you know, I imagine... When you write something like this, you want to, you know, you want to sort of draw out your audience's emotions and reactions and things, and so to build up a, a character like John, and then and then and then kill him off when he's he's so likable and he's like the the main character's best friend. You know, I I get it, but I sort of thought that it would be a bit like Shaun of the Dead in the sense that there would only be Anna and maybe like her dad, or maybe just Anna instead by the end you know what I mean I thought mm. that maybe that would yeah. be it just be, or maybe just Anna by herself you know she might be like the sort of sole survivor but the fact that they save three characters and John's not one of them <laughs> but that fucking mm. but the other but that Nick the prick is I don't know <laughs> it was it was something a bit sort of dissatisfying about that but he's, he's good Malcolm Cumming I had a little look on his uh, IMDB he's not done a great deal he seems to have been one of the crew on an episode of Three Doors Down um, sorry mm. Two Doors Down even um, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a great deal of acting credits to his name but then uh, like, no, none of the young cast at the time of filming had done very much at all really this was the sort of first mm. the kind of big break for pretty much all of them yeah. you know so I think I mean we haven't really talked about um, the lead uh, mm. so much um, Ella Hunt as Anna and I, I haven't really seen her in, in much else. I, I did watch her do an interview on a, a US TV show talking about Anne in the Apocalypse. Right. She's obviously very enthusiastic about the film. Mm-hmm. And I, I think she's good. I mean, Anna isn't the most likable character, as we've, we've said. But she is. she's great in the role. 
you know, she's very funny. She's yeah. very believable. I think she's 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 good, and she has some sort of witty points, and obviously handles the violence very well. Yeah, I I really did like her performance. Just it's a shame Anna wasn't more of a, a kind of likable. I mean, mind you, I, we're compared to Shaun of the Dead. Effectively, Shaun is a fucking prick in Shaun of the Dead, really. But we just love him because he's a likable prick, whereas Anna's a bit more of a unlikable prick. I mean, well, I don't know. I think Sean's sort of hapless um, in Shaun of mm. the Dead, isn't he? And until he, he sort of starts to get his, he sort of the kind of the crisis sort of helps him get his act together. I think you mm. know with Anna, you know she's you know we find out right at the very start of the film that she's going to disappoint her dad by not going straight to university after school. She's going to go and travel the world, and then she's yeah. Such, why would you keep your fucking plane ticket in your school locker yeah i know for you know for dramatic effect so yeah i mean like you know and and she's sort of she's kind of horrible to her dad in that scene Mm. you know and that's one of the first scenes in the film and she's you know she's already established herself as being a bit of a bitch and then you know she sort of says to john they know that how he's her best friend and he's he'll only ever be her best friend you know and you know she sort of comes off a bit selfish but then but the the kind of juxtaposition like the scene with her and john when they're making the snow angels after work she's really warm and um and funny and she's having a laugh with sean and the you know and sharing the jokes with him and stuff and you know she's you know so she kind of i don't know and then you know obviously the next day is the scene that you mentioned earlier on with all the carnage going on around her and she's listening to her music and not realizing and she's sort of dancing her way through the cemetery you know so but you know i think i think ella hunt you know she's already done this um dickinson uh, tv series on apple plus with uh what's her name uh hallie Ste- hallie steinfeld steinfeld um the girl from um hawkeye and bumblebee so she's i think she's probably going to be like, quite successful um yeah kind of going forward you know i mean she was only 19 when she um when she made this film you know she's still quite young okay I'm glad to know she was 19, that's fine. <laughs> I did find her rather attractive in this film, so uh, yeah, see oh, she is. less about that. Yeah, she's very, she's very pretty, so she is. There's some, I, I can't not say this without sounding like a character from League of Gentlemen in terms of how many killings, mm. but there are some great kills yeah. in this, including the, the seesaw decapitation, the, the Steph smashing the the cleaning lady with a toilet seat john actually has a a wonderful one with the two bowling balls he smashes the thing and one of the neds chooses two watermelons as his weapon of choice (laughs) when he's fighting the zombies which i'm thinking if i was had to choose you know one guy's got a baseball bat (laughs) other guy's got like a big knife or a a club this guy's got two watermelons Mm -hmm. is that the best weapon really no two watermelons i mean if they're if they're not ripe and they're quite hard then i guess but probably the same as kind of a bowling ball but uh, you don't want to be mucking around with watermelons really well that's the thing the zombie films always sort of contend that you know you can kill them you can kill a zombie by destroy this would they say destroy the brain so they whacking them over the head but you'd have to like like, i did feel like you know there's a scene that there's that little moment where john like crushes the zombie his head between the two bowling balls but otherwise when you know like when anna's got the wooden candy cane and she's whacking mm. them around the head i'm not sure she's hitting them hard enough to <laughs> no to destroy them i brain. agree <laughs> you know i i agree with you on that yeah i did think a couple of times like oh that hits not enough to yeah. to put them out but yeah it can take a little bit of artistic license yeah um i think two of my favorite characters in this film were the penguins 
Yeah. And they're fish wrapped with uh, my favourite dish is fish, Mother Flipper. And I eat it for the hell of it. A little bit of hell of it. Come on. That fish wrap is phenomenal. And to see them later on, I wondered initially when you saw them running down the corridor, I was like, oh, it's this little Gregory's Girl kind of homage. Yeah. And then, but obviously you see them doing the fish wrap. And then later on, you see them eating a dead body in the street, which um, I thought was great. Uh, Yeah, the... The penguins uh, were a massive kind of plus for me. Loved them. I like the the scene in the canteen when Lisa is saying how the Paul K had made a, a kid cry because he, he couldn't break dance, and Lisa says, <laughs> "Lisa says he's Andy's got no." Uh, Anna says Andy's got a prosthetic, and Lisa says, "I know," and Andy's only got one leg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's a really funny bits of um, really little, little really funny clever lines. That is a great scene because yeah, you have that, and then that's just shortly followed by Steph getting called Annie Lennox, which yeah. again is one of my favourite parts of the film. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, no, it really works. It's a uh, there's a lot of great comedy in this, and it, it's not um, it's not scary at all, really. I mean, no. it, I would say the biggest jump scare for me came at the very end when they drive off in the car, and then you have this fucking zombie Santa just yeah. pops up on the screen. Yeah. That was the only time I was like, oh Jesus! <laughs> there was nothing else that scared me. There were a couple of parts that obviously, as I say, shocked me, mm-hmm. but it's more in terms of John getting bitten or when Lisa got bitten. But I wouldn't say there was anything else that. That really scared me as such. No, no, for sure. For sure. So do you have any yeah. you have any more points on Anna? Or should we go to the awards? No, I think we can go to the awards, yeah. Let's do it. What have we got first? Okay, well, the first award is always the Bobby the Barman Award for the best pub, but there's 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 no pubs in it, is there? No, there's no pubs at all. No. So nope. Okay, well, I'll, I will go straight on without delay then to the James Cosmo Award, being in everything Scottish. Jackie Bird. With Jackie Bird, yeah, that'd been a better one. I picked, um, <laughs> yeah, I picked Marley Sue, but yeah, this is because I couldn't think of anybody else to pick. But Jackie Bird would be better. Yeah, I mean, Jackie Bird, I mean, it, it's kind of cheating because she's only in it for uh, like a 20 seconds, but yeah. would you think there's been anyone on Scottish television more than Jackie Bird? Probably not. Ever. Because Whatever. she presents the news every night. And yeah, but she's presented the news every night, like five days a week. And she would always do the Hogmanay and she also does other stuff, like on Scottish TV. Well, I'm going to take your Jackie Bird and I'm going to raise you Arthur Montford from Scotsport. Because he did that show. Yeah, but he, he presented Scotsport for like 35 years. Once a week. Once a week. I know, but well, okay. But Jackie, Jackie Bird was on five nights a week. For 35 years, was she? Well, but five nights a week equates to once a week. Like, okay. you take your 35 years, divide it by five, and then you've got... Okay, like, you know what? I'm going to do the math. <laughs> and then on the New Year episode, we're going to settle this, okay? Okay, fine. Right. Uh, yeah, Jackie Bird, next. Jackie Bird's a good person to talk about in New Year's episode anyway. Because <laughs> she does, she does, she did often <laughs> exactly. present the Hug My Nave show. Okay, so like no shortage of choices for this next one. The uh, Jake McQuillan, your teaser award, which which uh, zombie smash did you pick? I, I did love the, the first one, effectively, the seesaw. Mm-hmm. snowman yeah death. that was a good one um i'd like that but then there was also one of the next neds does this kind of like wolverine kind of jump and <laughs> slash onto a zombie which i i particularly liked but I, yeah i have to give it to the seesaw snowman i think that was my favorite yeah i gave it to um john's uh, bowling balls one but yeah 
So, but yeah, but yeah, no shortage of um to, of what to pick there. The Francis Begbie Award for gratuitous swearing. Oh, what did you go for for this? So I didn't. I I didn't go for overt swearing. I did go for a really okay. what I thought was a really funny exchange, and that was hmm. when they're in the bowling alley and. Anna says, Christmas is fast becoming my least favourite C word. And John says, that mm. that's because you're not dressed like a legend like me with his, and he turns on the lights on his twinkly Christmas jumper. And she says, yeah, you do look like a C word in that jumper. And I just thought that was really funny. So I know it's not like gratuitous swearing, but the the the, oh. the, the fact that they sort of, they sort of uh, get a bit close to it uh, made me laugh, yeah. you know. I did like that part. Yeah, it was very funny. As you say, alluding to the the C word. Yeah. What did you go for? I went with uh, Paul Kay in his song, and it's just towards the end when he says, "I've been calling you all zombies for years. Now fuck off." <laughs> yeah, that was good as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next word then the archetypal Scottish moment. I I kind of went for the the looting Neds because <laughs> I thought that was kind of because there's not a lot of Scottish moments in this, no. but I. I went for obviously Nick's Ned's mate and they've been looting. However, I might pick this or do I give it a shout out? No, I'm gonna pick this. Um it's it's the best line of any song in this film. And it's from Hollywood Ending when they're singing in the canteen. Mm-hmm. And John's first line is this isn't Disney. Yes, yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, love that. So those two would be my my pick. I went for the boys. So the boys adapting to the need for gratuitous violence really quickly. <laughs> See something awfully Scottish about that. You know, I often wonder how we might how we might deal with a similar crisis in Scotland. I'm so I, I'm reminded by I'm reminded of the failed terrorist attack on <laughs> Glasgow Airport with uh, John Smeaton and those guys and just how how quickly people just like stood up and <laughs> fucking like somebody kicked a guy who was on fire in the bollocks as I recall. I'll never forget that headline. Was it on the was it a Daily Record? And it was speaking I booted a terrorist yeah. so hard in the balls I broke my foot. <laughs> yeah. I know. Right, and what what they don't mention in the headline is how the terrorist had set himself <laughs> on fire. So he kicked he booted a burning man so hard on the bollocks he broke his foot. So I you know I tend to think if uh, if we were faced with something like a zombie apocalypse in Scotland I think people would uh, adapt quite quickly to what had to be done, you know, <laughs> as they do in the film. Okay, and the last award then, the uh, Sean Connery Awards. Who did you? Who do you think wins the film? I'd written down here, you know, a shout out to all the kind of young mm-hmm. cast. I've put Paul Kay here right. because he steals it for me, but I think I might actually change it to Sarah Swire because she really is yeah. probably the best character in the film. And she she's so funny and she does kind of steal the show for me if i if i think back to this film i don't think about anna i think about mm-hmm. serious wires character steph and paul k as savage they're the two things i will take away from this so but i think yeah serious wire actually wins it for me i had serious wire too but i'd also given a sort of honorable mention if you like to marley sue because i, I mm. know she's not i yeah. know she's not in it as much but the scenes that she is in are just she's just really funny in it so i agree with your point earlier like we needed more marley sue in this film because she's great she's so good she's so good but as i say i I feel like we're going to see a lot of uh, marley sue over the next few years yeah i hope so yeah so i it was my choice for our christmas episode 
that means it's your choice for our New Year's Eve Hogmanay episode. So what's uh, what we're going to be watching? Well, Greg, uh, yes, it's going to be our Hogmanay special on the next episode. And previously, in previous years, we have done Scotch and Rye. Mm. And then last year, we looked at Two Doors Down. So this year, I want to look at something that I really associate with New Year. And it's something that my mum loved watching every New Year. So it holds a very special place in my heart. So with an all-star cast and featuring the first film and television appearance of a certain young actor called Peter Mullen. I don't know what he went on to do after his first appearance here. I'd like to look at the Scottish television's 1988 adaptation of the Tony Roper play The Steamy. Brilliant. I haven't watched it for a long time, so I'm looking forward to looking forward yeah. to revisiting the steamy. And it's another musical, technically, Greg. So <laughs> <laughs> kind of doing we've done one in uh, two and a bit years and we're now doing two in a row for Christmas and New Year. It's okay. I mean I, I seem to recall the steamy. It's it's a little different. It's sort of like they're, they're like numbers in between scenes, if I remember yeah. right. Um they, they don't necessarily just burst into song. But I'm looking forward to watch yeah. it anyway because it's full of people that I really like and it's you know it reminds yeah. me of being a little boy and getting to stay up for the bells so I'm looking forward to watch I'm looking forward mm. to talking about Dorothy Paul and Isabel from Take the High Road <laughs> as well so right wonderful I hope you enjoyed our festive episode and genuinely I would recommend everyone to go and check out Anna and the Apocalypse so if you would like to follow us on social media you can find us on Instagram at Culture Swally Pod or on Twitter at Swally Pod and if you have anything you would like us to look at review if you have anything in the news that you've seen that's funny that you'd like us to look at or if you just want to drop us a line and say hello you can get in touch on cultureswally at gmail.com and of course it goes without saying please give us a little rate review subscribe wherever you get your podcasts that would be a lovely little christmas present for us and greg we have a lovely website as well don't we We do you can find us at cultureswallypod.com and you can also hear us on a couple of other scottish podcasts in december uh, there's a little interview on the scots we hey um and scottish murders podcasts and i think by now our episodes with uh, marty from mum's mysteries and murder will be out as well we had marty on as a guest where mm-hmm. we talked about des so go and check those guys out give them a listen and uh, as nikki always says give us a little review and a rating lovely well and i would like to take this point to from both of us at the culture Valley to wish everyone a very merry christmas i hope you have a lovely time and we'll see you for our new year episode i'm away to have a go in mortal kombat too it's been years since i played it (laughs) bastard (laughs) reminds me of my granny dying all right okay till next time greg get over here (laughs) merry christmas My favorite dish is fish, mother flipper, and I eat it for the hell of it. A nice bit of halibut, that's not the only fish they got. Mackerel, Mackerel. I could take more than a snack full. Salmon with some jam, I could drink it by the tap full. Had a drink.